Amen. We serve a really big God. We serve a really, really big God. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, God always has an answer. He always has a way out. Amen? Amen. God will never let you down. God will never let you down. So I want to, I, 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 I didn't even know my wife was singing that song tonight, praise God. But uh, that's one of my favorites. Old school, Holy Ghost song. So it goes right along with my message tonight. So get your Bibles out. And I want you to go to the, the, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, verse 40. <clears throat> I want to share something with you. The messages don't get any simpler than this. It's a simple message. The devil so works on us. I, I, just, I just feel more and more the Lord telling me over and over again, you know, to keep it simple. And, and because we've got to have it in our, we've got to have those revelations in our heart. And the only way we're going to get it is to hear it over and over and over again. So I've probably preached this message before. I know I've preached this message before because it's the same kind of message I preach all the time. I just turn it around a little bit differently. It comes out the same. So uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40 is when Jesus is going to heal the, the uh, Jairus, his daughter. And the woman comes up behind him and touches the hem of his garment. So let's read this together. Uh, Luke 8, 40. It says, So it was that when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to the house. For he had an only daughter who was about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. And a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who'd spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, <clears throat> who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said something, Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed. And immediately he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith was, has made you well. Go in peace. Now, you've got to put yourself in this, this scenario, in this scene, okay? It says a multitude, so that's a bunch, a whole bunch of people all around Jesus. Jesus is going, people all over the place. And you, you know if you've ever been in a crowd, I remember one time, uh, probably was the, one of the largest crowds I ever went to. I went to the uh, Promise Keeper, Men's Promise Keeper meeting in Dallas, and I think it was Dallas. And uh, when everybody started leaving, it was just this long hallway and everybody was just kind of just like barely moving because you were just shoulder to shoulder going down this thing and just all these men, you know, and it was, it, it, to me, I don't, I, I'm not claustrophobic, but I, I, it just kind of you know, a little bit freaked me out, you know, with that many people going. But I mean, to think of a multitude, I think there were 60,000 there that night, to think of a multitude of people and they're all around Jesus, of course, the center of attention, and they're touching him and pushing him like this, but this woman, now, Luke, you got to remember, he was a physician. And so Luke, I think it's interesting that he notes in his gospel 
that the woman had spent everything she had. She had tried every, she had worked out every resource. She had done everything in the world. She tried this, she tried that. She tried, you know, this and that and, and spent all of her livelihood, spent everything. And then she's decided she's going to sneak through the crowd and go to Jesus. Now, <clears throat> you know, this woman having an issue of blood, she was unclean. And so if anybody would have, she would have been in the crowd, she, she couldn't have been. They would have told her to get, you know, she was unclean. She couldn't touch people because she would have been unclean. So she risked all because they could have stoned her for this under the, you know, the, the old law. They could have stoned her for this. And so this woman, so imagine, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been in a circumstance where you were in a crowded bunch of people and not going with the flow like you were trying to force your way through it. It's not an easy thing to do. You know what I mean? Because most of the time, especially around here, somebody grab you by the back of the collar shirt and say, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, and you're trying to work your way through this crowd and going through there. And here's this woman doing this. And, and I guarantee she didn't get down on her hands and knees because you don't get down on your hands and knees in the middle of a crowd. You get stomped. Right. So she's working. She's maneuvering. She's seeing Jesus there. and She's working her way through the crowd and going through people and obstacles and, and problems and all this. And then she bends down. And Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 9, says that she touches the hem of his garment, okay? She touches the hem of his garment. Now, I want you to go to Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. Let me make, let me help, further make this some sense to you. Illuminate it to you. Numbers 15, 37. This is when God was giving Moses a law. And again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generation and to put a blue thread in the tassel of the corners. And you shall have the tassels that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own hearts and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember to do all the commandments and be holy for the Lord, for the Lord, for, for your God. For I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and to, and to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. Okay. So this blue thread was in the tassel of the garment that Jesus had on, because that would have been, he would have been wearing his robe and he would have had it on there because he was following the law. He came to fulfill the law, not break the law. And so this woman, you know, her parents taught her, somebody taught her, somebody, somebody put this in her, that that tassel represented the commandments of God, which part of the commandments of God was, I am the Lord thy God who heals thee. Okay? So now let's, let's look at this again. Here she goes pushing through the crowd, but she's looking for a specific thing. She's looking to reach out and touch that tassel. So when she touches that tassel, touches that blue thread, touches what represents the word of God, the promises of God to her, <laughs> virtue flows out of Jesus and the woman's heal. Jesus didn't know what happened. There was no faith on his part, right? He wasn't praying for her. He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't anoint her with oil. He didn't spit on her. He didn't do any of the things that he's done in all the other ministry. He's just walking through the crowd. And here this woman her faith reached out and touched the word of God, which brought about the anointing, the power of God flowing out of Jesus and healing her of this issue she's had for 12 years. And she knew instantaneously that she was healed. Hello? Y'all with me? Following me? Okay? So 
If this was Old Testament, and the Bible says our New Testament promises, are, we're built on better promises, better word, more foundation, because they're built upon the rock of Jesus, his blood speaking out over our life. If this woman could go through the crowd and do this to get there, to be healed, well, then I'm telling you the promises of God that were for her then are more powerful for you now. But are we going to do what she did in order to... Con- to connect with the power of God. You see, we want, we want Christianity to be just like going into the, to the fast food joint. We just want to drive up, order the, out of the window, have it to trade. How many of y'all have been to a fast food place and got mad because it wasn't fast enough? Hello? I have. I've been there saying, what's taking them so long? I mean, I want it. If it says fast, I want it fast. I want to speak it in the speaker and then it comes out. Hello? But that's how Christians have turned to wanting in their relationship with Jesus and wanting in in, in their relationship with knowing the Father and the Word of God and the promises of God. We've wanted it like that. You just you don't want to have to go through a crowd. You don't want to have to, you know, maybe get stoned. You don't want to have to, you know, uh, be found out. You just want it. You want it now. But this woman, man, she put all on the line to believe in the promises of God. And I'm telling you, when God sees a heart like that, there is no heart like that that is ever going to be rejected. All right. So let me show you. I got seven quick promises here. All right. Seven quick promises. The first one is comes out of Numbers 23, 19. It says, God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He has said, and he will, and will he not do, or has he not spoken, and he will not make it good. I'm telling you, God's not a God that's going to lie. His promises in the word of God are true, and it's not on God's part that the promises don't get tapped into. All right? God's not a God that he's going to lie. He's not going to tease you. He's not going to say, he's not going to dangle a carrot out in front of your face and keep it on the stick and the string far enough out that you just keep walking and never quite get to it. No, God wants you to connect with the power of God. He wants you to connect with him. He wants you to come into contact with the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets you free. That's what God wants. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die just so that we could, you know, maybe make it or not. He went to the cross and died and paid the price of his blood being shed on it so that we could walk in victory, that we could defeat the devil. Hello? When the devil shows up in our house, he gets just stomped. And then it becomes truly underneath our feet. Hello? Where he belongs. So God's not a liar. God's not going to tell you. I can promise you this. I'll stand up here for the rest of my days upon this earth and tell you this word of God's true. We may not understand it. We may not all walk in it. We may not be like the one. We may just be looking for the Mac, you know, the, the, the fast food uh, 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 kind of Christianity. But I'm telling you, God's there. God's not going to lie. And he's not going to give you a promise that he's not going to fulfill. The second one is, okay, Isaiah 55, 11, All right. Isaiah 55, 11. These are one of those the scriptures that you just really need to have written on your icebox. So you never forget it. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. God's word cannot return void. God's word has to have an effect in a person's life. And if it's not having an effect in the person's life, something's wrong in the ground that's trying to grow it. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but I'm telling you what, God's word will not return back void. There's no way it can, but it will accomplish. Everybody say accomplish. 
God's word wants to accomplish things in our life. Listen to me. God wants you to be the healthiest Christian that you can be on the face of this earth. Everything you're called to be, destined to be the person who God called you to be. That's what God wants. And it's going to prosper in the thing which is sent out to. So it's going to accomplish it, but it's just not going to just like barely get the job done. Okay? It's not going to just like, like you just made it across the plate. Just got in before the door closed. No, no, no. He wants you to prosper in all things. Hello? What blows my mind is this great God that we, let, that we serve, this great God that we walk with, this great eternal God that just, he wants to bless us so much. And I don't know why people are so ignorant. I just, sometimes I'm just looking at them just like, I, I can't even fathom what they're thinking. How can you be so ignorant? This God, he, God wants to give you everything. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper. He wants to serve. But people look and say, ah, you know, I don't want to serve God because God's going to take something from me. God's going to keep me back. God's not going to let me go over here. I, God's not going to let me do that. He's going to make me stop doing that. He's going to change me over here. He's going to do this and all that. No, no, no. God wants to prosper. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be so blessed. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, the third one. Isaiah 54, 17. One of my favorite scriptures. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, I, I love it. I don't know what translation is. I can't remember right now. I have it written down somewhere, but I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't quote it. But it's either the message or the passion or one of the, the, one of the you know, other translations. It says, no weapon forged in hell can prosper against you. In other words, the devil can't even go down there, get his forge out, bring out some old hot coals and start forging some kind of weapon against you that would prosper. He can't even invent something new. Hello? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Huh. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. Now, check this out. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Now, I looked up that word heritage the other day because I just want to make sure I was right. That word, we, we don't... Heritage, we usually think in, you know, like, like Ancestry.com right? Heritage, like being family line or something, but we don't think about what it really means. What heritage really means is your inheritance, your possession, what you have the right to possess. Now you think about that. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is your inheritance as children of God. In other words, God is so good. He says, man, when you start walking the promise, you start walking with me, you have an inheritance coming to you as a child of God. A right, a privilege, an inheritance. <sighs> Free pass to walk right in. Okay? Here we go. Number four. 2 Corinthians 1.20. 2 Corinthians 1.20. I remember the very first time I ever read 2 Corinthians 1.20. I can still remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting down eating a bowl of Cheerios. Those are the good old days when you could eat Cheerios and put the sugar in there and get that sugar down the bottom of the bowl, you know. We don't do that anymore. Whoo! That was some good Cheerios. And I was eating my bowl of Cheerios and reading this, you know, just slurping the milk, going through the whole thing, had my Bible out there reading it. And I read this scripture and it says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and him amen. And I stopped right there and I said, now wait a minute. 
you really mean that? I mean, I had to stop eating my Cheerios thinking about it. I said, really? really? You mean that? All the promises of God? All the promises, every promise in here, when I read a promise that's in the Bible, then it's directed towards me. It's, yes, and amen, that's yours. Nothing's withheld from me. You know, like, like I'm just a Gentile. I don't, get it all, I don't get in all the inheritance. I just get like the, yeah, I'll get into heaven, but I'm just kind of stand over in the back corner, you know. No, all the promises. Everybody say all the promises. All the promises are yes and amen. So it's yes to whoever's going to believe. So the woman walking and the tassels flopping and she's trying to catch it. She's trying to get a hold of it. And then she reaches out and finally connects with it. Well, then the promise, God said, oh, yes. Because that was a promise to her. You see what I'm saying? She grabbed it. Because that was the promise of the word of God. She grabs it, touches it, boom, it came into effect. So every promise, every promise, there's not a promise in here. With a long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. It's a promise. By the stripes upon his back, we were healed. It's yes and amen. There's not a promise in here that God's going to, well, you know, you don't quite cut the mustard. Well, this is for my special people. This is only for the apostles. It really wasn't for you. What? All the promises. Everybody say again, all the promises. Think about that. Do you know that in the Old Covenant, under the Levitical law, there's over 3,000 covenants and ordinances and promises? 3,000. Over 3,000. Now, in the New Testament, it's really simple. All of that you got, but look at the better over here. Just stay in Jesus, and it's all yours. Amen. I mean, that's basically what it says, right? Okay, all of them are yours. The fifth one, Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, and the flower fades but the word of God stands forever. Do you know that God's love towards you never weakens? God's promises towards you never weaken. God's not having trouble right now just because the world's crazy getting promises down. The, 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 you know, the pipe doesn't have a clog in it. It's not ever going to weaken towards you. You're not like, 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 you know, being country people, if you go up to the faucet, and you're, you know, have your own, your own well, and you turn it on, the water just dribbles, immediately you're like, oh. hello? Because we ain't on city water, right? I mean, some of us are, but you turn it on, the water just dribbles, you're immediately, the first thing you think about is, man, something's wrong with my pressure, right? I'm either out of water, the pressure pump's down, something's gone wrong there, line's broken, something, I'm not getting the pressure. God never does that to you. God never has a time the pressure's down in heaven, and he can't push out the promise to you. God never has a time that he's like, well, we're running slow this week. You know, can't quite get the pressure up, pumps down. Right? It never happens. God's word never fails. It never, it's always going to be standing strong and going towards every believer. But what turns it on is faith. And see, we're always wanting God to do something, but it's on our part that our faith lifts up and turns on the spigot and says, I pour it out, Lord, pour it out. 
We always want to put it on God. God, why don't you do this? God, why don't you do that? And he's like, man, dude, the promise of God, like a fire hose, just wanting to just burst water out to you and just pose you down. But got nowhere to spray it because ain't nobody grabbing for the tassel. The sixth one. 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14. Now, I, I know I use this scripture a lot, but it's one that needs to be pounded into our head. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we've asked of him. I'm telling you what, Christians, most Christians pray from a faithless standpoint or from a no confidence standpoint. Let me just put it that way. They go through the prayers doing it because they believe that that's going to keep God from striking them with lightning. But they don't really believe that they've sat down and had a, com a conversation with the Almighty God, the heaven that created the heavens and the earth and all they're in. They don't really believe and have confidence to know that as they prayed, Almighty God heard their prayer and then have confidence. Say, okay, well, it's all taken care of because I talked to Daddy this morning. Because we're such side-oriented people. We've got to see it. It's got to be like, like, you know, there was something my wife ordered. I think she ordered it for me or something. And like we ordered it one night and the next day it was here. And I'm like, how did that happen? How could that have possibly happened? You know, nine o'clock at night we ordered it. And the next morning it came in. And I'm like, this is an impossibility. This doesn't happen out here in the country. Right? And I was shocked. I was like, what little elf was running around and doing this stuff? And I mean, I could just see this craziness in my head thinking about how did they get it on a truck that came up here and that did all that? You know, it's like, it wasn't just right down the road. And I was shocked because I didn't have any confidence it being that quick. Hello? And I remember when that day happened, God said to me, yes, yeah, the way people are about their prayers. They don't really believe it's going to happen. And I was like, you're right. You're right. There's no confidence in prayer. People pray. You know, God bless old Sally over there and help her. And she's, she's hurting bad. She's sick. She ain't going to make it. But God, I'm just praying to ask you to heal her. And then they say, wonder, wonder how Sally's doing. Then we ask a couple of them, have y'all talked to Sally today? See how she's doing? I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe if it, no, I'm not, I'm right. I started to contradict myself there, but I'm right. I mean, I have a very simple relationship with the Lord. Now, what's crazy is, is, you know, we would get prayer requests in and they come through and I, I, I look at my emails periodically through the day. And when I see one of them, I stop right then and I pray. Father, right now, I just pray for so-and-so in their situation, what's going on. And, you know, whatever needs to happen to them, whatever needs to take place, Lord, I believe you right now. I believe I'm talking to heaven. I don't have to stop and say, okay, I've got to go get, let me get the candles out. Let me get them lit. And I got to get the atmosphere right. And, and I got to get, you know, if you're, if you're like that, that's fine. I, that's great. But in my relationship with the Lord, I look at it. I see it. I pray over it. I know heaven has heard my prayer. My petition has gone forth. God's got it in his hands. He's got it under control. Whatever's taking place in heaven, little angels flying around doing stuff and whatever they're doing up there and dragging stuff out of drawers and getting everything they need to go to shoot it down to heaven. I don't know how it works, but I just know that that's not my business. My business is to pray. And I have full confidence that my prayers heard. And if somebody came up to me and said, well, did you pray? I said, yeah, I prayed. Well, how long? Don't make no difference how long. 
My prayer was heard right then. What, it takes you longer? You're on a party line or something, and you have to wait for the other person to get off where you can get home? Man, I got a direct line. I got the red phone. God just picks it up. So, yeah, Rob. The seventh one, the last one, 2 Timothy 2.13. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. This scripture, I love it because it's like, like my, my parents, God bless them, you know, the great parents had great parents. My father, he instilled in me a, a work ethic, and I'm the kind of guy that doesn't like to go home until I got my work finished. And, and I'll work long, longer or harder or whatever to get it done. And that's the way I like to do it. And uh, I'm amazed that sometimes I see other people and their work, work ethic, and I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, what are you doing? Now, this is the way it is with God. God's got this faith ethic. And he's just there saying, man, I'm going to remain faithful. While we're running around, we're running past him, running past him, running past him. And God's just going to remain faithful. He's going to stand there. He said, well, if you ever stop, get hold of the hem of my garment, you can get what you need. But we freak out. We're just freaking out. Run past him. Run past him again. God's just going to remain faithful. He's standing there like a rock. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it as soon as you calm down. As soon as you start getting in faith. As soon as you start doing it. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I, you're faithless, but I'm faithful. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't. Say, oh my, God's not going to say, oh my, Jesus, look, they're freaking out. God doesn't do that. He's just faithful. He's, he's standing there all the time. Just wanting to have all his promises be yes and amen, yes and amen, yes and amen, yes and amen. So my word of encouragement to you tonight is touch the hem of his garment. Do whatever it takes to be like the woman who gets to the place to where she grabs hold of the promises and the confidence inside of her heart that she's got hold of the promise comes into her. And then I'm telling you, everything is okay. Because Christians, we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should be. But, you know, the Christian divorce rate still 50%, just whatever the, the world's divorce rate is, because people can't get along because they don't ever go to God. <clears throat> All right, I know you all think I'm meddling now, but this is the truth. As Christians, we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth, and we should be leading revival all the time. Everywhere we go, we should be leading revival. But we get weighed down with the world. We get weighed down with the stupid news and crazy politicians and crazy things going on. And, you know, um, man, I, and I got to say this to you. And, and you may just say, Robert, you don't know what you're talking about. But again, I, I feel like I do. Everybody keeps talking to me. Oh, you know, inflation's coming on. Oh, inflation's coming on. You know, the dollar's worth less. Dollar's worth less. Better do something. Else. Listen to me. My dollar is still my dollar. Because my God is my God. He is my financier. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And I don't know how, what's going to go on. I don't know how crazy things are going to get. But I just can tell you all this. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I am not going down. I'm going up. I am the head. I'm not the tail. I am above and not beneath. That's the promise of God unto me. And so whatever takes place, listen to me, no matter how this world just keeps spinning out of control and and more stupidity than I've ever seen in my entire life. God's got it. I'm telling you, God's got this thing. God's got this thing. And you need to encourage yourself. You need to listen to this message over and over again until you get yourself back encouraged if you're discouraged. 
Because I'm telling you, you've got to get the word of God and have confidence that God's got you. Amen. Because he is for thou, O Lord, he is high above all the earth. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, God's got it. Amen. So you in here, stand up. You at home, stand up too. Come on. Honor the Lord. Get out of your easy chair. I'll give you just a more than a second to get the recliner up. But I'm telling you tonight, God's got it. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to bless your tithes, your offerings, but I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to speak this word over you. And if you're hearing it, but you didn't really get it in your heart, listen to the thing again. That's the glory about having this taped. You can go back over it and over it and over it and over it. Amen? Or I guess it's not taped. Recorded. How about that? Is that better? My sound techs are shaking their head. Taped. We've got it on a reel in the back. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Father, I declare right now in the name of Jesus. I declare, Lord God, this word's going to go forth. It's going to touch people's hearts. People are going to be just like the woman. They're going to be hungry for you. They're going to go to touch the hem of the tassel of your garment. And when they do, Lord, they're going to see that the promises of God are yes and amen unto them. Their confidence is going to begin to arise. And Lord, it's going to set forth a fire of a revival in people's lives. I declare, oh God, and I thank you this night. What a privilege and an inheritance to be children of God, Lord, that we have that no weapon that forms against us can prosper because this is our inheritance as children of God. So, Lord, I pray, bless them this night. Let this word just set a fire within them, Lord, of faith. I declare, O oh God, that we will not be stopped. We are going to walk in everything that you have for us. We will not be hindered. I declare businesses are blessed. I declare finances are blessed. I declare retirements are blessed. I declare investments are blessed. And I thank you, Lord, you are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, and you will supply every need that people have. And God, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you for all the prosperity coming in, that we can do everything you called us to do. So, Lord, we praise you this night, and we exalt you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.